Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so today we're talking about one of my very favorite episodes. I love this I episode love it. so much. <laughs> uh, it is season eight, episode 11, called LARP and the Real Girl. So we start out in an apartment. It's nighttime. We get a close-up of figurines of a knight on a horse and a sword-wielding monster and a bunch of other figurines in the background. A guy enters the apartment talking on the phone. He says on the phone, how dare you? Lance. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking to Lance, not. And then um, we see a Lord of the Rings, a Lord of the Rings <laughs> poster um, uh, on the wall and a shield with the Griffin crest uh, decorating the wall. Uh, the guy on the phone says, oh, you know, we both cut corners to get close to her, but that wasn't cheating. Dude, it's just a game. The man sighs and hangs up and puts the phone down on the table with the figurines. He says, it's just a game. After he walks uh, into another room, we see a close-up of the phone. It beeps a message. Um, that's uh, why well, I can't read my own writing here. Um, it says, from Lance's mobile. It says, you will pay for this. The date on the phone is Wednesday the 23rd of January, the day before Dean and Jessica Moore's birthdays. Huh. So we cut, we, yeah, I know. I thought that was interesting. I think it's weird that Dean and Jess have the same birthday. I, I feel know, like we like, talked about this, like in the very first episode, but I still, oh, I don't remember. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of weird. Like you could pick any day and they had to be the same day, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And I, I think I said this before, but it makes me feel like Sam was like to Jess when he met her, like, oh, what's your birthday? Like, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> we should date. <laughs> weird. <laughs> I know. It's really weird. <laughs> okay. So we cut to sometime later. The man is asleep in bed. A black symbol of a tree with roots and bare branches appears on the inside of his left forearm. We hear the sound of running horses and the man wakes up. A horse neighs. The man sits, sits up in bed um, and a whip cracks and the man is flung back down onto the bed. His arms and legs uh, spread eagle and raised off the mattress as if held by invisible ropes. The man yells, help! Rope burn marks appear on his ankles and wrists. The man says, help! Help me! And the man screams as the rope burn marks on his ankles and wrists turn into deep cuts. That would hurt Ow. so bad. Mm -hmm. uh, he continues to scream as his left arm uh, is ripped right off his body <laughs> and blood splatters the walls. Yep. Yucky. <laughs> and we get our opening title sequence. Yeah, that was a gross one. So we cut to the Impala. It's still night. Uh, China Grove by the Doobie Brothers is playing. Dean is driving while Sam uh, reads some sheets of paper. Uh, Dean looks over at Sam and says, you okay, man? Sam says, we have the most powerful weapon we've ever had against demons, and we can't find a way to use it. Dean says, yeah, well, Kevin's on it. And when he finds something, he'll call. So we wait. Look, we both had a rough go over these past couple of weeks, and... Uh, 
I know what you gave up wasn't easy. Maybe we ought to take the night off, go see a flick, hit a bar or two, have some fun. You remember fun, don't you, Sammy? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The answer it's there is gone. no. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's phone rings and he answers it. He says, Kevin, what do you got? It's Garth. And instead of Kevin, he says, hey, Sam says, Garth, hey. Garth says, why don't you grab a piece of paper? Sam says, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. Thanks, man. Garth says, yeah. All right. Sam says, oh, wait. Hey, hey, Garth. Are you there? Garth says, yeah. Sam says, how'd you know where we are? Garth says, yeah, you've been Garth. <laughs> Come on. Sam, dude. <laughs> I know. Sam says, look, it's bad enough that you're tracking us, but it's even worse when you say we've been Garth. <laughs> That's not wrong. So Sam hangs up. <laughs> yep. Sam says, okay, we got to lose the GPS on our phones because Garth has been tracking us and other hunters, apparently, to assign cases. Dean says, smart, a total Bobby move. What's the deal? Sam says, ah, uh, well, it's close. Farmington Hills, Michigan. Dude got ripped limb from limb inside his locked apartment. Dean says, that's not good. Sam says, work in a case. As long as we're waiting on Kevin, that'll be our fun. Dean looks over at Sam. Um, that does not sound like fun, Sam. (laughs) 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 So we cut to the man's apartment. It's day. Uh, Sam and Dean enter showing off their FBI badges to an officer at the door and they walk, um, they walk up to a sheriff. Sam says, sheriff, special agent Taggart. This is my partner, special agent Rosewood. The sheriff says, FBI, you guys are quick. Haven't even gotten the body out yet. Dean says, well, the FBI is all work. Nope. You've been garfed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sam, like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Sam says, you know, why don't you give me the tour while my partner looks around? Dean says, I work better on my own. The sheriff says, you're, you're, I can't say it. Uh, I'm gonna try it again. <laughs> the sheriff says, your world agent, follow me. So Sam follows the sheriff while Dean goes into the kitchen and starts EMFing. Um, Sam and the sheriff are standing in the victim's bedroom. The victim's torso is still on the bed under the sheet, but the sheet is flat against the mattress where his arms and legs should be. The walls are covered in blood. The sheriff says, Vic's name was Ed Nelson, 31 years old, an insurance claim adjuster. He lived alone, which was a real shocker. Considering his pl- considering his place is full of toys. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Sam says, so what happened? Um, one of the, uh, Ed's legs covered in the cloth is on the floor with a pool of blood around it. The sheriff says, uh, no sign of force entry. Near as we can tell, he was tied up and pulled apart. Died of the shock or massive blood loss. Dealer's choice on that one. Sam notices some chain mail in an open bag. And says, so what about these chains? The sheriff says, that's actually chain mail. Sam says, seriously? The sheriff chuckles and says, yeah, we did find clear rope burn marks on his wrists and ankles. Um, one of Ed's arms is on the floor, covered in a bloodstained cloth. Sam pulls back the cloth and sees the black tree symbol. Sam says, huh, so anything missing from the body? <laughs> the sheriff says, you mean aside from the arms and legs? uh nope all there twigs and berries too (laughs) (laughs) 
Sam said, that's good. <laughs> yeah, at least that didn't get pulled off because that would have been awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yep. think all of it would be be pretty painful. <laughs> yep, yep. Sam says, what about the neighbors? Did they hear anything weird? The sheriff says, a neighbor downstairs says she got woke up in the middle of the night by the sound of horses stomping their feet and galloping. We didn't find any hoof prints. She probably heard a TV or was having a bad dream or she was high as balls. <laughs> he's just like, he's, the faith in humanity he has. <laughs> uh, not Well, he doesn't have any faith in humanity. That's the thing. Nope, nope. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I've seen weirder. That's a guy who's seen a lot of shit. <laughs> like, you know what? It is what it is. <laughs> yep, nothing surprises him. Nope. Um, the sheriff says, fortunately, we got a real lead off his cell phone. So the sheriff and Sam walk back into the main room and the sheriff looks at his notebook. He says, according to the phone records, Ed's last call was from a guy called Lance Jacobson. Dean comes out of the kitchen. Sam looks question, questioningly oh, geez, at him. And Dean <laughs> shakes his head. I <laughs> know, I'm like, ah. <laughs> Um, the sheriff says, uh, an accountant also 30 also lives alone. Sam says, how is he a lead? The sheriff says the two of them talked together for 15 minutes. And then Lance sent Ed here, all kinds of angry texts. Some of them were your typical threat stuff, but some were a little weird. Sam says, weird. How the sheriff says like, uh, you shall bleed for your crimes against us. Followed by the emoticon of a skull. And uh, this beauty, I am a mage. I will destroy you. <laughs> These kids today with their texting and murder. <laughs> My men just brought Lance into the station for questioning. Sam says, we're going to need to take a first crack at the suspect. The sheriff says, like I said, agent, it's your world. So we cut to the police he's station like, interview Thank room. God. <laughs> I know. He's like, please take this from me, please. <laughs> I don't want any of it. <laughs> yep. So Sam and Dean uh, enter the room and sit down across the table from Lance. Sam says, Lance Jacobson, we're with the FBI. Lance says, the FBI? I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe Ed's dead. And then he starts to cry. Dean says, Lance, Lance, just, <laughs> just breathe. Just breathe. You're fine. <laughs> Lance gets it together for a moment, but then continues to sob. <laughs> Sam says, we just need to ask you a few questions. Try to calm down. Lance wipes his eyes. Dean says, we want to know about the, uh, the texts you sent Ed last night. Lance says, I told them when they brought me in that those texts weren't from me. Sam says, well, your phone and Ed's phone says otherwise. Lance says, no, I mean, they were from me, but they weren't from me, me. Sam and Dean look at each other. Dean says, did you really think that sentence was going to clear things up? <laughs> like, help me out here, dude. <laughs> yep. Lance sighs and says, I'm sorry. This is all just a big misunderstanding. Those text messages were from Gray Fox, the mystic to Theragram, the difficult. Our characters in Mundor. Mundor is a game that Ed and I play. We're LARPers. Live action role-playing. Dean says, right. LARPing. Good times. Lance says, we play Moondor every other weekend at Heritage Park. Uh, all the info about it is on our website. Dean says, you guys have a website. Lance says, yeah, one of the players uh, designed it. In fact, if you log on to the site, they should have posted pictures from last night's feast. I was there all night. 
Sam says, uh, what, is any of this, what does any of this have to do with the text? Lance says, I play a character named Gray Fox the Mystic. I'm a very, very powerful mage in the game. Sam says, okay, uh, very powerful. Go on. Lance says, Ed is, Ed was Thargrim the Difficult of the Elder Forest, son of Hargrim and Baufin, brother to, he was Lancelot to my Merlin. Dean says, ah, well, if you guys are so tight, then why the threatening messages? Lance says, we were named uh, to the Queen's Honor Guard in anticipation of the coming Battle of Kingdoms this weekend. I thought he broke protocol, so I called Ed after game hours and accused him of cheating, and then I challenged him to a duel. Sam says, a duel. Lance says, wands and swords at dawn. <laughs> Dean says, now when you say wands, do you mean magic wands? Good grief. <laughs> Lance says, no, unmagic wands, agent, because what I really want in a duel is an unmagic wand. Yes, thank wands. It's a game. I can't believe it. And then he looks at the ceiling and says, oh, you gods. Thargrim the Difficult has fallen. And then Lance starts to sob again. Oh, Dean boy. says, Lance, Lance, hang in there, champ. So Sam and Dean leave the interview room and go to the main room in the police station. Sam says, so do you believe Dungeons and Dragons? Dean says, he didn't put a whammy on us. Those weren't crocodile tears, man. That's not our guy. Sam says, so what are we looking at? Dean says, you saw the chain mail. This could be 50 shades of gray fox for all we know. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I don't like I, I kind of want to know what that means. <laughs> but, you, know. you, you've, you know about 50 shades of gray, oh, I, right? I do know. Yes, of course I know. There you go. How can I not know <laughs> working at Barnes and Noble for so long? <laughs> I was going to say, how can you not at least have heard of it? <laughs> yes, I have. I have not read the books or watched the movies, and that is just fine with me. Yeah. Okay, that's... so I was like, maybe I could watch the movies, but then I read that the two main characters, well, the two main actors, mm -hmm. um, like, totally didn't get along at all, like, hate each yeah, other. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, so that kind of made me want to be, not want to watch it, you know, just like, eh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I never really got everybody. I, I remember like I had some friends that were like really, really into them. <laughs> yeah. And they would like sit there and okay, you know this, I'm going to go see this movie and blah, 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 blah in the theaters. And it's like, why would you want to watch something like that surrounded by people? That you don't know. Know? Yeah, that sounds like, uncomfortable. I don't know. That just seems kind of weird to me, but yeah. it was like a thing for a while. Did I tell you that those books actually started out um, as um, Twilight fan fiction? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hold on. The author, the author has said so. Now I haven't read them, so I don't know if that makes any sense or not. I haven't read them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But like, I can't. How? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because. <laughs> Yep. From what I know, there's some sketchy, sketchy shit in there. <laughs> and like, how? I mean, fan fiction can be that? as sketchy as it wants to be, you know? I don't know. That's kind of a. 
I don't know. I don't want to think about it too hard. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Sam says, all right, well, let's check out moon, the Moondor site and see if Lance's story checks out. So Sam sits down in front of a computer and types uh, Moondor LARP into a search engine. He clicks on the link to the Moondor website and reads, welcome to Moondor, Michigan's largest LARPing game. Dean says, and I thought we needed to get out more. <laughs> Sam clicks on the picture gallery, then on Festival of the Endless Night, and a picture appears of Lance dressed in costume and holding a tankard, followed by one of him flanked by two women, one of whom is kissing him on the cheek. Sam says, get there's it, a guy. <laughs> I know, for real. Yeah. Um, another picture of a smiling Lance appears on the screen. Dean says, huh, and chuckles. He says, it actually looks kind of awesome. Sam looks at Dean and Dean collects himself. <laughs> He's like, I am ashamed. <laughs> yeah. I am ashamed of you. <laughs> that look was not like. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Sam says, all right, there's a video. So Sam clicks on video presentations and a video and video footage from the game plays. A video narrator says, Mundo. A world of intrigue, honor, passion, four kingdoms, followers of the moon, elves, warriors of yesteryear, and the dreaded shadow orcs. All will fight on the fields of never. At this point, Dean smiles and then glances at Sam and resumes a serious expression. He's like, oh, he's not smiling again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um the video continues uh, in the biannual battle of kingdoms pick up a sword or mace take control of mundor and defend the current ruler dean says wait is that the video narrator says the queen of moons and we see that the queen is charlie bradbury charlie! the girl with the dungeons and dragons tattoo episode i love charlie i'm so excited to see her here um, Dean and Sam look at each other and we cut back to Lance in the interview room. He's still sitting at the table. He scratches at his right arm and says, ah, <laughs> and then he stands up still scratching. He says, God, he pushes up his sleeve and there is a brief sizzling noise. The tree symbol is on his inner forearm. Lance says, what the hell? And then he coughs blood onto his palm. And then coughs a large quantity of blood onto the two-way mirror. He screams. Blood runs, runs from his eyes and nose and he falls to the floor. I think that that's probably a better way to go than having your limbs ripped off. 100%. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'd rather just cough about it for a little bit. <laughs> I know. Rather than like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rather like... bleed out of my face holes. Yep. <laughs> and that would be fine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to a coroner uh, wheeling Lance's body away on a stretcher, as Sam and Dean watch. The sheriff says, you're going to want to see this. So Sam and Dean follow the sheriff to a computer and the sheriff plays video footage, video footage blah, 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 of Lance in the interview room, scratching at his arm and coughing blood. The sheriff says, God forbid he was contagious. I'm going to go dip myself in hand sanitizer. <laughs> He's got the plague. <laughs> yeah. Dean says, no EMF, no hex bags, no sulfur. I got nada. You? Sam says, watch the video again. And Sam replays the video. He says, there, see that? And he zooms in on the tree symbol on Lance's arm. He says, same as Ed's. I don't know. 
Dean looks down at a file on the desk with a photo of the tree symbol on Ed's arm. Sam says, maybe they had matching tattoos. I mean, they were brother in arm, brothers in arms. Uh, you recognize it from anything? Dean says, a Tim Burton movie? <laughs> As, aside from the uh, mark of the creepy here, the only thing these guys have in common is LARPing. Sam says, lucky for us, we know the queen. <laughs> so we cut to the Moondor camp. It's daytime. Renaissance music plays at the medieval camp. People in costumes pretend to fight with mock weapons. A woman plays a harp and lots of other people talk and stroll around outside of tents. Colorful banners uh, bear various crests and signs point the way to the dungeon. Um, a large banner reads Moondor, the Battle of Kingdoms. Sam and Dean are in their FBI suits. Uh, they look at the scene and then at each other. A man says, I, Boltar the Furious, bind you. And we see a close-up of a man in stocks. He has large fake ears and very bad teeth. Um, Boltar says, to the stock so that all of Mundor may see you for what you are, a thief. Sam and Dean pause to watch. The man in the stocks says, my shadow orc brethren will descend from the Black Hills and the tents of more... But then the orc's fake teeth fall out of his mouth and onto the ground. He and Poor Boltar look, I know. He and Boltar look at each other. Boltar says, uh, hold. And Boltar spreads his arms as, as if to stop the action and then picks up the orc's fake teeth and brushes them off. The orc says, thanks, Jerry. Sorry. Boltar says, yeah, no problem, Monty. And Boltar puts the orc's fake teeth back into his mouth, which is kind of disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, like they literally just fell on the ground that everybody's been walking on for who knows how long. And you're just like, hey, it's like, to me, that's like the equivalent of people like picking up their kids pacifier and putting it in the mouth and then sticking it in the baby's mouth like yeah like do you not have like a drink to like rinse it off with you know at the very least exactly that's so funny (laughs) so the orc gives boltar a thumbs up and boltar um in his stage voice says resume and monty the orc um, says, and the tents of Moondor will be bathed in blood as we unseat the queen of the moons from the throne she stole from the rightful heir, the Shadow King. And you, Boltar throws a red beanbag at Monty, hitting him in the forehead. Boltar says, Silentium, serve your time with honor, heathen. And if you need to use the chamber pot, stomp your feet thrice. <laughs> Boltar walks away. Dean says, excuse me, hi, uh, are you a LARPer? Yeah. Boltar says, I prefer the term interactive literaturist. Okay. Dean says, right. Uh, I am Special Agent Rosewood. This is Special Agent Taggart. Sam and Dean hold up their FBI badges and Boltar says, hold. And he puts down uh, the hood of his costume and says, um, guys, we're not doing the whole genre mashup thing this weekend. We're, we only do that every third month. Dean says, the Sam says, come again. Boltar says, your fake badges, the cheap suits. It's very cool. I get it. Your characters are FBI agents that somehow traveled to Moondor. But I'm telling you, it's just, it's just straight up Moondor this weekend. Sam says, these aren't fake badges. Boltar says, uh, yeah, they are. And they're, 
very good out. <laughs> yeah but um well the id number shifted to 10 digits with uh, two letters mixed in at the end of the year and uh, the seals from last month really good work uh it's just it's a tournament weekend okay guys so you got to follow the rules if there's no rules chaos so he puts his hood back up and says resume if you would like to join the army of moons the queen is always on the lookout for new squires Dean says, yes, right. Uh, we would like to see your queen now, please. Voltar says, well, <laughs> the queen's leader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Voltar <laughs> says, well, the queen's calendar is booked up months in advance. But if you wish to witness what's in store for you in her army, her highness is overseeing new squires on the pitch as we speak. So we cut to two sword fired fighters wearing helmets and fighting with mock swords as the crowd watches. Um, the sword of the first is somewhat realistic looking, but the other sword is wrapped in yellow foam. <laughs> After an exchange of blows, the sword fighter using the foam covered sword goes to their knees. Uh, the defeated sword fighter says, yield, I yield. The sword fighter with their realistic looking sword takes off her helmet. Uh, the camera goes into slow motion as she shakes out her hair. It's Charlie. Hey. The, the crowd applauds <laughs> the defeated sword fighter says i love you charlie says i know <laughs> take your leave to my medical tent and attend to your severed limbs the defeated sword fighter leaves charlie dresses the crowd she says gray fox and thargrim are missing we pray to the goddess that they have not fallen victim of foul play in their absence the honor guards ranks are weakened to join and then she sees sam and dean in the crowd and she says, oh, blurg, uh, the queen needs some royal wee time. Talk, some un- talk amongst thyselves. Some royal wee time. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, but are you like piddling? You know, like what's going on? <laughs> yeah. So Charlie walks quickly away to a large tent. Sam and Dean follow her, but Dean stops to pick up the foam covered sword. He says, nice balance. Sam yeah. turns to look for Dean and says, dude and he spreads his arms wide Dean says yeah and he follows sam still holding the sword so they go inside charlie's tent uh it's decorated with a rug small statues lanterns and a table with fancy chairs there's the map with figurines uh positioned on it um on a second table sam says charlie charlie says charlie bradbury's dead um she died a year ago you killed her my name is carrie heinlein Oh, and guess what? Now you killed her too. Dean says, okay, oh, listen, uh, she is pissed. She's like, <laughs> yeah. how dare you show up here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> uh, Dean says, okay, listen. Uh, Charlie says, no, I buried myself. Then Dick Roman went down, his company belly up. And I figure, hey, it's all good. And I was fine. I got my life back. Now you're here. And if you guys are here, monsters are here. Why do I have such bad luck? What am I, some kind of monster magnet? Is there such thing as a monster magnet? You know what? Don't answer like, that. Oh, God, I don't care. No. <laughs> <laughs> what I care about is not getting my other arm broken or dying. So I'm dropping my sword and walking off the stage, bitches. And she puts a crown on Deed's head on her way out of the door. She says, have some, that's not what she says. She says, have fun storming the castle. <laughs> She's like, I am over everything. <laughs> this is yep. the worst <laughs> i'm leaving 
Dean says, Charlie, Charlie, Gray Fox and Thargrim, uh, Ed and Lance, they're not missing. They're dead. So we cut to a few minutes later. We see that the tent also has a chandelier and that the woman in the portrait has long red hair like Charlie's and is wearing a crown. Charlie says, drawn and quartered and bleeding out? Please stop talking again. <laughs> so what do you think did this? Uh, Charlie, Sam and Dean are all seated around the table with fancy chairs. Dean says, well, aside from the uh, mark and them both using, blah, 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 and them both being LARPers, so there's not really much else to go on. Charlie picks up the photograph of the tree symbol and says, wait, I've seen this before. It's a Celtic magic symbol. At least it was in my favorite video game. Does that help? Can I go now? <laughs> Sam says, it's a start, but no. Um, listen, what can you tell us about Ed and Lance? Charlie says, good guys. Two of the best members of the Queen's ever-shrinking army. Dean says, ever-shrinking? Charlie says, my kingdom has had a lot of bad luck lately. Probably because of me, but maybe it's tied to this. A month ago, one of my guys had both her ankles broken before battle. That sounds awful, P.S. Yeah. Um, like, good luck walking for a long time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She says, before that, I had three people have hospital-worthy accidents while at home. You think there's any connection there? Sam says, do they have any enemies in common? Charlie says, in real life? No. Everyone gets along famously. In the game, though. Charlie gets up and walks over to the map, which is of Moondor, and has different colored figurines representing different armies. Uh, Sam and Dean follow her. Charlie says, they had tons of enemies. Uh, red reps, uh, what? Red reps, the followers of the moon. Okay, got it. <laughs> I just did not understand my writing, sorry. Uh, so <laughs> red reps, the followers of the moon, my peeps, green for elves, blues for warriors of yesteryear, and blacks for shadow orcs, total D-bags. This weekend is the battle of the kingdoms to see who wears the forever crown. This week, this weekend, each faction is definitely an enemy of me and mine. Dean says, you know, if you uh, move your archers back and your broadswordsmen to the west, Charlie says, huh, fight the warriors. Dean says, yep. Charlie says, hey, good call. Dean says, thanks. Charlie says, what about the southern wall? Sam says, guys. Dean says, yeah, right. Sorry. Sam says, so maybe uh, someone from one of the other kingdoms got a hold of real magic and started using it to weaken your army. Charlie says, but why not just come after me? And why the escalation? Dean says, all right, we will canvas the kingdoms. You should get out of here. We don't want you to get hurt. Sam says, whoa, wait, Charlie knows Moondor a lot better than we do. We need her. Dean says, Sam, I think we can take care of a bunch of accountants with foam swords. <laughs> Sam says, we need all the help we can get, Dean. People are dying. Dean says, my point, which is usually yours, is that she should get somewhere safe and get back to a normal life. Charlie says, hey, I'm right here and I want to leave. Dean says, thank you. Charlie says, but the queen, she has to stay. I mean, Sam is right. People are dying. That can't happen on my watch. And you know what? I'm tired of running. I like my life here. I'm going to stay and fight for it. Sam's phone rings and he answers it. He says into the phone, yeah, okay, thanks. And he hangs up. He says, so the toxicology report came back on Lance. Nothing. 
but the medical examiner said his body showed clear signs that he was killed by Belladonna. Dean and Charlie say at the very same time, the porn star? <laughs> I am intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> There's a long pause while everybody looks at each other. And Sam says, the poison. <laughs> Dean and Charlie say at the same time, oh. <laughs> Sam says, um, <laughs> however, they couldn't find a trace of it in his system dean says just like they couldn't find ropes in ed's apartment sam says charlie i'm gonna need to borrow your laptop charlie says there are no laptops in Undor. what there are rules but there is a tech tent four tents down sam says okay how about you guys go canvas and i'll dig into these accidents and this mark so sam leaves Charlie says, okay, I'm going to need the full wiki on where you guys have been, but first you're going to have to ditch the suit if you're going to walk and talk with the queen. So uh, Dean nods and then smiles. We cut to Sam. He walks towards a tent that has a sign reading, beware, this is a gateway to the future. (laughs) And he goes inside the tent. Um, Inside are a number of computer workstations at which costumed people sit. Sam sits down in front of a computer screen. Next to him is a young woman in costume in front of another screen. Sam says, excuse me, do you know if there's a directory of online players? The young woman says, yeah, it's on the website. All you need is an account to access it. Sam says, "Uh, thanks. Uh," And the young woman says, Maria, I mean, Galandria, the wicked. And she smiles. (laughs) We cut back to Charlie's tent. Uh, Dean has changed into a costume and is adjusting an arm guard. He tightens his belt, puts on chainmail, and checks himself out in the mirror. Charlie says, you sent Sam a phantom text from his ex? Dick moves, sir. Yep. <laughs> Dean says, yeah, not my finest hour. Charlie says, so he found some normalcy with this chick, and now it's gone. Again, thanks to you. Dean says, yeah, well, now he's more committed than ever, so there's that. But trust me, this life, you can't afford attachments. You just got to let it go. Charlie says, are we still talking about Sam or did you break up with someone too? Dean says, me? Charlie says, yeah. Dean says, no. (laughs) It's fine. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he misses Benny. (laughs) So we cut to some time later and Charlie and Dean leave Charlie's tent. Uh, Dean exchanges the foam-covered sword for a wooden one leaning outside the tent. A woman bows to Charlie and says, Your Majesty. Charlie and Dean walk through the camp. Dean says, Y'all's been into a LARPing? Charlie says, Nah, for role play, I prefer a tabletop. D&D, Gamma World, Car Wars. That's why Cthulhu invented multi-sided dice, right? But a buddy of mine was into LARPing. Uh, Went for him, stayed for the chicks. Dean laughs. Charlie says, it's not just that, though. It's an escape. I mean, here, I'm queen, a hero. Out there in the real world, I'm just hacking out code and chugging coffee all day long. Dean stops and turns to face Charlie. He says, now wait a second. A woman passing by says, your majesty? Dean says, if it wasn't for you, we would have never been able to take down Dick Roman. Out there in the real world, you are a hero. Charlie smiles and nods. Another passing woman says, my queen. Dean says, I'm noticing a lot of these maidens checking you out. Charlie says, what? I can't shut this down. It's good to be queen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
it's like that I'm sexy and I know it (laughs) (laughs) that is Eric's jam (laughs) okay um so Charlie walks off and Dean follows her we cut back to Sam in the tech tent we see a close-up of a computer screen that shows eight case file titles or tiles, sorry, for various people, including Lance Jacobson and Ed Nelson. Um, several of the tiles have photographs of injuries, and one includes a photo of the tree symbol on someone's forearm. The camera pans out, and we see um, Galandria looking over at Sam's screen. Sam says, it's all just part of the game. Maria says, genre mashup, cool. She leans over and says, hey, I know her. That's Phyllis. Heard she broke her ankles or something. Sam clicks on Phyllis Morton's case file, um, which expands. Um, in the photograph, Phyllis is on a hospital bed with her ankles and feet badly bruised and her feet turned in at almost right angles to her legs. <laughs> Sam says, wow, it looks like she got, Galandria says, hobbled. She points to the screen and says, oh, and that's Jamie. He said someone broke into his house, beat him with his own mace, but... Sam reads from the file and says, no signs of forced entry. Uh, Do you recognize? And he clicks on the file that includes the photo of the tree symbol and says, this from Mundor? I think it's a Celtic. Galandria says, no, sorry, but I'll look it up. Sam says, thanks. So we cut back to Dean and Charlie. An attractive young woman with elf ears is looking at a photograph of the tree symbol. She shakes her head. She says, I haven't seen anything like it in my travels throughout the realm, your highness. And she hands the picture back to Charlie. Charlie says, all right, well, if you think of anything, come see me in my tent. Anytime. (laughs) The attractive young woman smiles and leaves. Dean looks at Charlie, who spreads her hands briefly and hands the photograph back to Dean. Charlie says, scratch the L's off the list. We cut back to Sam. He says, mace attacks, hobbling, medieval poisoning. Someone's targeting the queen's people. Galandria says, no, not only them. See, she points and says, those four are with the queen, but these two, they're elves. And these two are warriors. Only group not to get hit. And we cut back to Dean and Charlie outside. Charlie says, the shadow orcs, last group on the list, impossible to find. Dean says, wait, I know where we can find one. I met him on the way in. Charlie says, perfect. Maybe he can tell us what the frack this thing is. So I love that she says frack there. That's like a Battlestar Galactica thing. Makes me happy. <laughs> uh, we cut back to Sam. Um, let's see. Uh, a website titled Celtic Magic shows the tree symbol uh, on Sam's computer. The article is titled The Tree of Pain and reads Symbolism and Origin. The Tree of Pain is a symbol of fairy magic. It was used by the ancient Celts for Celts? Celts? Celts. Celts for magic rituals and casting spells. The tree of pain is used as a hex to maim or kill the subject bearing the mark for the uninitiated. It symbolizes pain, both physical and spiritual. For the initiated practitioners of Celtic fairy magic, the tree of pain is a powerful protection symbol that served to bind the tribe. The tree of pain symbol has been passed down to the ancient Celts from, uh, and here Sam says, the tree of pain. Uh, if you're tagged with this mark, you will be a victim of fairy magic. Galandria says, wait, fairy magic can be bad? We cut back to Charlie and Dean. They're walking towards the stocks. Monty the orc says, death to the queen. 
death to the usurper 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 i can't say it usurper thank you (laughs) (laughs) i gave it three tries and then gave up (laughs) you good uh dean draws his wooden sword uh the orc says death to her manservant dean hits hits the stock with her sword dean hits the stocks with his sword near monty's head um charlie looks at monty uh, who growls at her dean says what and there's no sorry my notes here are like all over the place (laughs) you're good lots of lots of stuff crossed up (laughs) dean says well there's no laptops in moondor there's no geneva convention either hey he takes out the photograph of the tree symbol and holds it up to show monty he says have you seen this monty says yeah of course no no i haven't seen it dean puts the sword under monty monty's chin and monty says okay it's the shadow king's family crest You'll never find him in the Black Hills. Dean says to Charlie, Black Hills. And Charlie says, the forest behind the playground. Come on. So Charlie taps Dean on the arm and they walk away. We cut back to Sam. He has his phone to his ear. He sighs and hits a button on the phone and puts it in his pocket. He says, all right. uh, Well, thank you very much, Galandria. Galandria smiles very big and says, anytime. I've never done genre mashup before. That was fun. Sam smiles and says, first time for everything, right? And he gets up to leave. Galandria says, first time for a lot of things if you want to come find my tent later. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Sam pauses and then says, another time. Oh, because he's still thinking about Amelia. How are you going to pass up Galandria? Come on. (laughs) Did you say Blondria? I said Galandria, but I wish I would have said Galandria. I was going to say, she is blonde. Like, that was pretty clever. But (laughs) you just heard me wrong. I was not clever. I'm sad now. Um, So Sam leaves and Galandria says, says, you're you're lost. So we cut to the Moondor Forest. Charlie and Dean are walking along a path. Boltar comes towards them and says, my queen, there you are. I've been searching everywhere for you. Has this oaf attempted to harm you with his blasphemous metalworks? Charlie says, Boltar, he's with me. This is my new handmaiden. <laughs> Boltar nods to Dean. Charlie says, we seek an audience with the Shadow King. Boltar says, uh, these hills are not safe. I beseech you, my queen, you should return to camp. Dean says, he's right, your worshipfulness. Uh, May I have a moment before you take your leavings? So Dean and Charlie walk a short distance away. Dean says, handmaiden. Charlie says, he was suspicious. I panicked. Dean says, all right, look, you take my phone, find Sam. We'll find the shadow dorks. Charlie says, but I can help. Dean says, yeah, you are helping by finding Sam. Go. So Charlie walks away. Dean says, lead the way to the orcs, Bolty. Boltar says, speak when spoken to, handmaiden. And Boltar walks in the opposite direction uh, that Charlie took, and Dean follows him. We cut to Charlie. Uh, She is walking along the path through the forest. She puts Dean's phone into a pouch hanging from her belt. Uh, The camera angle changes as if we are seeing Charlie through the eyes of someone hiding in the trees behind her. Charlie hears rustling and looks around, but continues to walk. She hears another noise and turns around. A figure in a black cloak disappears behind a tree. Charlie resumes walking and the cloaked figure follows her. 
she hears another noise and turns around again and the cloaked figure disappears behind another tree charlie looks in different directions and she turns around to find the cloaked figure right behind her the figure who has fake orc teeth growls and then throws a black beanbag at charlie who ducks Charlie smiles, then takes a red bean bag out of her pouch and throws it at the cloaked figure, hitting him in the face. The cloaked figure says, ah! Charlie says, dark magic. The cloaked figure says, oh, my eyes! The stinging of your attack burns my very soul! The cloaked figure growls and runs away, flailing his arms. Charlie smiles as she watches them go and then turns around. Um, immediately in front of her is a tall figure in a black cloak with a stag skull head. Charlie gasps and fumbles for a red bean bag, which she throws at the stag skull figure. It's hard to say. Charlie says, dark magic? The stag skull figure raises its arms under its cloak. Charlie gasps and closes her eyes. We cut back to Dean. He and Voltar walk through the camp. Dean sighs and says, well, that was a bust. You sure the shadow orcs are even out there? Voltar says, for a handmaiden, you certainly asked many questions. Yes, I am positive. They're just very good at hiding themselves. But a plan has sprung to mind that will draw the Shadow King to us. We shall take the Shadow Orc held in stock, offer him up as a prisoner exchange. Dean says, draw him out and beat him down. I like your style, Boltar. Boltar says, I shall retrieve the prisoner. You tend the queen's laundry and chamber pots. Then meet me back here. <laughs> Boltar leaves. Sam walks up to Dean and says, nice outfit. Dean says, you love it. Sam says, right. Well, while you were uh, playing dress up, I found out that the mark, Dean says, belongs to the shadow orcs. And he smiles. Sam says, yeah, and they're using fairy magic. Sam shows Dean a printout of the information about the tree of pain. Um, Dean says, the tree of pain. Awesome. Sam says, whoever gets marked gets ganked. Dean says, all right, how do we stop it? Sam says, find whoever casts a spell and take them out. No more whammy, no more marks, no more marks, no more dead bodies. Dean says, okay, well, perfect. Our uh, pal Boltar, the chatty, is getting the uh, shadow or prisoner. We're going to do a little prisoner exchange, try to draw the king out of hiding. He smiles and says, it was my idea. Sam just looks at him and He's Charlie like, what says, what is happening? I leave you for yeah. a few minutes and here we are. <laughs> uh, uh, Dean says, where's Charlie? Sam says, she was with you. Dean says, no, I sent her to you. Dean walks off calling out, Charlie, your highness. He opens the flaps to Charlie's tent and says, Charlie to Sam. He says, you know what? She's got my phone. Try it. So Sam calls Dean's number. We cut to Charlie in a tent. Uh, we see a close-up of Dean's phone, which reads, no signal. The camera pans up and we see Charlie lying on a bed. She groans and wakes and puts a hand to her head. She looks around the room and gets up. There are candles, lamps, a framed painting on the wall, and the bed has a canopy. The stag skull figure is standing in front of the fireplace watching her. Charlie says, hi, uh, I'm the queen of moons. Nice to meet you great costume bt dubs charlie smiles and the stag skull figure is silent and unmoving charlie says right well this has been a really great kidnapping but i gotta get back to not dying so good talk charlie opens the flaps uh to the tent and the camera pans quickly across the tent and we see that charlie is entering from the other side 
She stops in front of the stag mask figure, turns around and runs out the tent in the other direction, but immediately enters it again from the other side. Charlie says, wow, real magic. That is really cool. If not mostly terrifying. Um, right. Okay. She smiles and says, we can work this out. Can't we get you some gold, my crown ritual sacrifice? The stag skull figure does not respond. And Charlie says, look, I'm not really a queen. I'm just an IT girl standing in front of a monster asking it not to kill her. And the stag skull figure slowly approaches Charlie. Charlie says, great. Now the worst period of my life comes to an end. I saw my boss get eaten by a Leviathan, broke my arm, lived life on the run, finally got it all back. And now a dude in a stag skull mask is going to kill me. I just want my old life back. Charlie whimpers, turns her face away and closes her eyes as the stag skull figure comes closer. The stag skull figure removes her mask, revealing uh, herself as a beautiful woman. She says, that is all I want as well. Charlie opens her eyes and the stag skull figure smiles, smiles at her and Charlie smiles back. Like, they okay. like each other. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> so we cut to the Moondor forest. It's nighttime now. Uh, we see the beam of a flashlight held by Boltar. He is followed by Monty the Orc and Sam and Dean. Dean says, I swear, if anything's happened to her, Sam says, dude, we checked all the tents. We'll talk to these guys. We'll find her. They stop at a small clearing. Monty the Orc says, Kaka, Kaka. <laughs> and some voices, Kaka back. <laughs> and then three orcs and cloaks walk into the clearing carrying flashlights. Boltar says, Greetings, heretics. One of the orcs has the tree of pain symbol on a crest on his shirt. Um, he says, You should kneel before me, Kerr. Dean says, All right, why don't you let me? Boltar says, Silence. Now, before we exchange, a few announcements. The orc with the tree of pain crest takes out his fake teeth, takes out his fake teeth and comes closer to Boltar. Uh, Boltar says, um, there is a peewee league soccer playoff game tomorrow on the alpha field. We don't want to freak out the mundane. So we got to move the battle of kingdoms to the beta field. Dean talking over Boltar says, all right, that's it. You know what? I'm going to do this the old fashioned way. And he draws his gun. Sam says, Dean, don't. Dean says, what? Sam says, come on. Dean says, no, I'm, Boltar says, I told you there. Are... Dean says, shut up. And Dean walks over to the orc with the tree of pain crest and raises his gun. He says, all right, I need real answers. This here is a real gun. See? And he shoots the ground. He's <laughs> just like, kapow, listen up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, the orc with the tree of pain crest says, whoa, whoa, hold, hold, geez. Dean points his gun at the orc and says, now start talking. Where's the queen? The orc with the tree of pain crest says, I don't know. Dean says, yeah, well, your little family crest there tells a different story, pal. The orc looks down at his shirt and says, this? Dean says, yeah. The orc says, uh, I got sick last month after this thing just appeared um, on my arm. I thought it looked really cool, so I turned it into my family crest. I mean, after my dermatologist said it wasn't malignant. <laughs> Dean, Sam says, Dean, he's not our guy. He's just another Vic. The orc says, my name is Max Hilby. I'm an attorney. I have no idea where the queen is, but if you let me go right now, I won't press charges. I promise. Um, and he takes off his fake ears and holds them and hits gauntlet out to Dean. He says, here, uh, take them, please. 
Dean says, go, go, go. So the three orcs run away. Dean turns to face Sam and Boltar and Monty, the orc. Dean says, what? What? The orc takes out his fake teeth and says, is the queen really in danger? Dean nods. The orc says, okay, we got, uh, and he points. He says, there was something odd down by the creek. It's this weird little tent. It's not one of ours. It's kind of creepy. Sam says, why are you being so helpful all of a sudden? Monty says, look, I harbor an epic crush on the queen. Maybe you could put in a good word for me when you find her. Dean says, I don't think you're her type. Dean walks off in the direction that Monty pointed and Sam and Boltar follow. Monty says, what, you mean she's not into orcs? Uh, No, not quite. We come back to Charlie. Uh, She and the stag skull figure are sitting on the edge of the bed facing each other. The stag skull figure has removed her black cloak and is wearing a long white dress. She says, my name's Gilda. I'm from the hollow forest of Arkmore. I'm a fairy. Charlie says, swoon. And she smiles. (laughs) Then she says, uh, I mean, how did you get here? Gilda says, I was summoned here by a spell. Charlie says, by whom? Gilda says, I don't know his name, but I was brought here to do his bidding. Charlie says, his bidding, that's never good. Gilda says, my master, he has me hurt people. He's forcing me to. I'd never hurt anyone. I'm a fairy, the good kind. Charlie says, no, no, I get that. Why is he doing this? Gilda says, I don't know. He started off with smaller commands, but he's become more violent. He's had me kill two men this week. Charlie says, man, someone is taking this game way too seriously. Gilda Gilda says, game? Charlie says, this, my outfit, all of this, it's just a game here. Gilda says, why would you play such a game? Charlie says, this world, not so much with awesome. The game is a way to get away. Gilda says, it's a lovely forest, but it's nothing like my home. Charlie says, right, so how do we get you back there? Gilda says, I can't break free from the spell myself. A hero must take my master's book of magic and destroy it, breaking the spell. Charlie says, Gilda, my name is Charlie Bradbury, and I am here to rescue you. They smile at each other. Gilda touches Charlie's arm and covers her hand. So we cut back to the Moondor forest. Boltar, uh, Sam and Dean are walking. Dean says, why don't you take off, Bolty? We got it from here. Boltar says, a handmaiden and a time traveler rescue the queen? I think not, kind lady. Sam says, look, this isn't a game, Boltar. The queen, our friend, is in real danger. You could get hurt. Boltar says, I will not leave my queen in peril. So they come to a plain canvas tent. Uh, Boltar says, look there. Dean says, we haven't checked that tent. So Sam and Dean and Boltar enter. Charlie and Gilda are sitting on the edge of the bed, kissing. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) They're making out. (laughs) They are, yeah. (laughs) Dean clears his throat and Charlie and Gilda break apart. Charlie says, dudes, if the tents is rocking, don't come a knocking. <laughs> Gilda gets to her feet. Gilda says, no, it's him, my master. Run. Sam and Dean look at Boltar, who pushes back his hood. Uh, Sam and Dean point their guns at him. And he says, no guns in Moondor, gentlemen. Gilda, if you please. Looking sad, Gilda makes a hand motion. There's a sound of chicken clucking, and the guns turn into feathers, which flutter to the ground. 
Dean says, well, now what, Jerry? Um, Jerry, who's Bultar, says, my name is Bultar the Furious. My plan was, after getting rid of all my competition, to win the battle tomorrow, convincing the queen that I should be her king. Charlie sighs and rolls her eyes and looks at Gilda. Bultar says, but then you two idiots showed up and I was forced to improvise. Rescue the damsel in distress from orcs. Become king. Kill you both. That'll work too. Sam says, so why did you go from hobbling to murder? Bultar says, Grey Fox and Thargrim became part of the honor guard. They got close to the queen, but they did it by breaking the rules. Paying off other players with real money rather than Moondor currency. They were cheating. Dean says, oh, and using real magic isn't? Bultar says, <laughs> like, um, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. Bultar says, magic is a part of Moondor. Charlie says, what is your problem? Why would you hurt people? This is just a game. Bultar shouts, there is no game. There is only Moondor. I came here to be different, to get away from my crappy life, to be a hero. And guess what? Dean says, what? You are a loser in the real world and you're a loser here? Shocker. Bultar says, would a loser track down a real book of spells and compel a fairy to do his bidding? Charlie puts a hand on Gilda's arm. Sam says, it depends. How'd you get it? Bultar says, eBay. <laughs> Sam nods and clears his throat and says, look, it doesn't have to be like this, Bultar. Just hand over the book of spells. We can work this out. Bultar says, this will all work out. He picks up a fake sword and says, after I remove you from the playing field and wipe her memory. Gilda? Gilda sighs and closes her eyes. The fake sword in Bultar's hand turns into a real one. Uh, Sam and Dean uh, move away. Bultar says, Gilda, the big one. And Gilda regretfully makes a hand motion and a suit of armor grabs Sam around the neck from behind. Sam says, ah! <laughs> Charlie charges at, at Bultar with a fake sword. He throws her onto the bed. Dean swings at Boltar with a fake sword, but Boltar's sword cuts Dean's in half. Gilda goes to Charlie. Sam struggles with the suit of armor. Boltar strikes at Dean, who uses a metal shield to block uh, Boltar's attack. Um, Gilda says, he can't stop him. The book, you must destroy it. Dean punches Boltar, and a book falls to the floor. Sam gasps as the suit of armor continues to strangle him from behind, and Charlie runs to the book. Charlie says, hey, Jerry. And she holds up a dagger. She says, I'm the one who saves damsels in distress around here. Charlie raises the dagger over her head and stabs the book. Bright light shines from it. Boltar says, no. And the suit of armor falls to the ground, freeing Sam. Gilda smiles. Uh, the sword in Boltar's hand turns back into a fake one. He swings at a Dean who catches it, takes it away from him before knocking him out hard. Boltar okay. falls to the floor <laughs> and Gilda walks over to Charlie. Charlie says, are you okay? Gilda says, I'm free of the spell. You saved me. The hollow forest is forever in your debt. I must return to those green hills now. I will take my former master with me. He must face a fairy tribunal for his sins. Charlie says, wait. And Charlie kisses Gilda, who then disappears uh, in a little shimmer of lights. Boltar's body seems to sink into the floor as it disappears in a puff of smoke. Charlie says, call me, maybe? Call me, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to the next day. Sam and Dean are in their regular clothes, walking with Charlie. Sam says, so what's next for you, Charlie? New town, new identity? 
Charlie says, if the last 24 hours have taught me anything, it's that escaping isn't what it used to be. No more replacement characters for me. I got to face reality from now on. Sadly, reality actually includes monsters, but what are you going to do? If I can ever be of help to you guys, let me know. Dean says, we'll do. And you, uh, you're good? Charlie says, apart from the fact that you blocked me from banging a fairy and I'm about to go lose my crown in battle, thanks to my army being decimated. Yeah, totally good. She starts to leave and then turns back around and holds up her hand in a Vulcan salute. She says, smell you later, bitches. (laughs) And Charlie walks away. Dean says to Sam, so what, uh, what's next? Cause no fun, right? Look, before you say anything, I get it. No amount of fun is going to help you get over what you gave up. You just, uh, you need time, right? Sam says, yeah, thanks. And you're right. Having fun won't help me. It'll help both of us. Shall we? So we cut to the Moondor battlefield. Epic (laughs) music plays and mist rises. Two armies of costumed LARPers are lined up facing each other. Dean in costume and wearing a long-haired wig addresses Charlie's army. Half his face is painted red and the part of the other half is painted white. He wears two orc ears on a string around his neck. (laughs) He says, and dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance? Sam stands in costume next to Charlie. His hair is in a ponytail. Uh, Two opposite quarters of his face are painted red and another quarter white. Charlie says, isn't that the speech from Sam says, it's the only one he knows. Dean says, give him a break. He doesn't know anything in the moment here. (laughs) Dean says, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they will never take. And then a squire in Charlie's army says, hold. The music comes to a stop. A frisbee sails onto the ground in the space between the two armies, and a man runs after it. The people in the armies mutter. A man says, or the man says, uh, my bad. And the man picks up the frisbee and runs away. He yells, sorry. (laughs) Dean turns back to the army and nods to the squire, who gives him a thumbs up. The music resumes. Dean, uh, raising and shaking his fake sword, yells, our freedom! (laughs) The armies cheer and run at one another. The camera focuses on Sam and Dean running side by side with their swords raised. The frame freezes on this image, and the following text narrated by a a dude scrolls up the screen. It says, uh, this episode is dedicated to the men, women, elves, demigods, magi, druids, and chamber pot servants who gave their lives fighting and winning for the queen of moons in the battle of the kingdoms. Go bravely into the next world, fallen soldiers. And credits. Okay, so I don't really have any thoughts about this episode (laughs) other than I really like it. This is one of my favorite episodes. Like everything I feel like is pretty straightforward in this (laughs) episode. That's so funny. You're you're allowed to not have any thoughts in how many episodes is this? 160. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) You can do it this one time. It's all right. I know. I have a 
I don't know. I just, my, my, I guess my only thought would be that I really like this episode and it's one of my favorites. So that's, my yeah, thought. me too. <laughs> this isn't a, like one of the episodes that I show people who aren't familiar with the show. Um, when they, when I think they want to see something funny, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. So my favorite, definitely. Um, I have a question. Yes. How do you think Charlie got to be the queen? Like, <laughs> well, um, she obviously, I mean, I mean, I would assume because at the very beginning, she's like, you know, sword fighting kind of, you know, <laughs> with somebody yeah. and she won that she probably kind of worked her way up, you know, that's like, actually called buffing. Did you know what <laughs> when you, when you fight with fake swords, no. usually, yeah, usually they're foam swords when they're talking about buffing, but it's called buffing. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> uh, why yep. couldn't that be in the interesting facts? <laughs> oh, is it not? No. <laughs> uh, I like that. Yeah, I did too. Uh, I don't know. I would assume that she like worked her way up the ranks. I don't think she just like showed up to this LARPing experience and everybody was like, all hail the redhead, you know? like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. That's my only real my assumption anyways. (laughs) Yeah. There must be, I mean, or you're the one who puts it together with somebody. You know what I mean? Like you maybe, yeah. Maybe she started the whole started it. Yeah. That could be. I don't know. Yeah. But I feel like even then that doesn't necessarily make you the, I mean, maybe I guess it could, if you're the one that's creating the whole thing, like you can, if you're like, the these queen. are the rules. Yeah. I know, like, uh, eh? <laughs> Everyone listening at home can tell that we have never LARPed ourselves. <laughs> no, I know people that have LARPed. Mm-hmm. I think Eric's LARPed. Eric, I can't remember if he went LARPing or if he went boffing, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he did one of those Yeah, <laughs> and I can't I think, remember which. Yeah. I know people that have gone LARPing like, and I've seen them like in their get up afterwards, like mm-hmm. just coming back from a weekend in the woods of LARPing and all, you know, I think it would be fun. Yeah. My sense of imagination is not that good. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. I mean, I I couldn't be like someone who had to make speeches or anything because I don't really like people looking at me. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is why I we mean, do a podcast and not a like a video cast. <laughs> We're not a vlog. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah, I don't know. I think for me, like, I I just I'm not that creative. So to like do that sort of thing like I, I I have respect for people that LARP because they're like way more creative than I could ever be but <laughs> I don't know like yeah I don't know if I could do it I would just be like I don't know what to say sorry like I'll dress up and run around and foam sword fight sure but I don't know yeah. <laughs> you want me to say anything then sorry you know I guess especially if they have like a certain way of talking like they do you know in this episode Uh you know I don't know that I could pull all that out of my ass so yeah I wouldn't be able to yeah but anyway (laughs) Um, Eric and his friends just get together and talk like that anyway yeah (laughs) but I mean my guess is that it's probably 
from LARPing, you know, and they just kind of continued with it, you know, Mm -hmm. I would assume, you know, like, I don't know, some people just like to, you know, talk like that, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> nothing wrong with it you know? not at all no <laughs> but awesome. it definitely makes it easier if you've been talking like that for a while to like continue to talk like that versus going um I don't know the vernacular here <laughs> yeah <laughs> help you know <laughs> and if you just had to like pull out bean bags and throw them at people like I, I could do, do that. that yeah I got a good arm <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> what I don't think I could handle is being in the stocks you know yeah, that's not going to happen. Like, quit looking at me, you know? Well, then you just wouldn't do anything that would cause you to get in there to begin with, you know? Like, okay, don't be an orc. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think he was just like a captured orc. And don't get caught, you know? <laughs> don't get caught. Don't do stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lesson for life, everybody. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, like, don't go to jail. <laughs> probably a bad idea yeah yeah (laughs) if you can help it I know right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what was your favorite moment from the episode well I really liked every single moment to this episode (laughs) Um, hard to pick a favorite yeah but one moment that maybe just stuck out a little more to me was um when um Galandria um like propositioned Sam, you yeah. know, be like, Hey, why don't you come check out my tent later? You know? <laughs> like, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I admired her for having the balls to do that. I know. Right. You know? Yeah. I wouldn't. Oh God. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> With anybody like, <laughs> no, I would no. just be like, this is wrong. What I'm saying is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so that, and then also that Sam, thought about it but then was like you know I'm not ready I'm still emotionally broken uh, you know <laughs> like, yeah. yeah no sorry <laughs> yeah but. so and then her being like you're lost like she knows what she's got you know yeah yeah I mean yeah she's like mm, yeah. well change mind you know <laughs> yep so anyway what was your favorite moment um, mine was definitely like all of Dean getting into the LARPing, like the fact that he was like at the beginning, like, what the hell is this? And then he was like, oh, this could be fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and by the end of it, he's like leading the army, you know? <laughs> Let me give you my speech. Let's go. You know? <laughs> was that the Braveheart speech? Yes. That's in the interesting okay. fact. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was going to say, like, the only. But- kind of movie like that that I know oh I, I mean I've never seen Braveheart so okay I don't know but it's sad it's really yeah. sad yeah a lot of like battle heavy things kind of are you know mm-hmm. yeah you're right about that <laughs> I mean there's generally a lot of death you know yeah usually at least one character that you really liked you know mm-hmm. so yeah mm. um but that brings us to our interesting fact. <laughs> Ooh, nice segue. Hey, that don't <laughs> very often, but I <laughs> you did it. <laughs> um, 
so the first interesting fact it says uh during the scene in the tech tent where sam uses a computer um the the game dragon age 2 from 2011 um can be seen played a couple of times uh specifically it's the part of the game where um character talus voiced by felicia day shows up um oh cool it says uh, the aliases Sam and Dean use are Agents Taggart and Rosewood. Um, these are the names of the Beverly Hills police detectives in the movie Beverly Hills Cop from 1984. Okay. Um, Charlie says, call me maybe, um, referring to Carly Rae Jepsen's 2012 hit single. Um, Felicia Day, who plays Charlie, also played Carly Rae Jepsen in Rewind YouTube Style from uh, 2012. I have no idea what that is. Never heard of, yeah um it says charlie says to the boys as she attempts to leave the first time have fun storming the castle <laughs> uh, this is a very well-known line from the princess bride from 1987 um a, mm-hmm. a bit of a cult classic a bit <laughs> just a bit are you just kidding a bit of one. <laughs> my wedding was princess bride themed like <laughs> yep <That's> so funny. <laughs> yeah um it says heinlein or heinlein I think Heinlein, yeah. Bradbury, um, both surnames used by Charlie are the surnames for well-known deceased science fiction authors, uh, Robert A. Heinlein and Ray Bradbury. I remember mm-hmm. Ray Bradbury mostly, I think it's Fahrenheit 451, isn't it? Oh, I can't he, remember. He that? His, I, I can't remember. I think the only reason I kind of remember it, it was from um, school we had to read. I think it's Fahrenheit 451 or Fahrenheit something. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I used to know the answer to that question, but having not worked in a bookstore in seven years, all my who wrote what book knowledge is, is going away. It's very sad. Well, I mean, unless you read it, then I mean, yeah. that's fair. also, <laughs> is that knowledge that I need to retain? I don't know. I don't know it might be helpful in like a trivia game at some point but other than that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah <Yep. laughs> um it says heritage heritage park um the place where ed nelson and uh jerry larp is an actual park on the west side of farmington hills uh the mi michigan right yep yeah okay <laughs> i'm not good with my state abbreviations <laughs> Actually, I'm just guessing now that I think about it. I think so. I think, I think it's, it's Michigan. Because Michigan. Mississippi, <laughs> or is it Missouri? That's M. At, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Farmington Hills, am I? We're going to go with. <laughs> because I have no idea. <laughs> Somewhere in this country. I know, right? <laughs> Um, it says the name of this episode is a play on the movie Lars and the Real Girl from 2007. Um, Don Thompson, um, Sheriff Jake Miller, and Haig Sutherland, uh, Lance, were both in the comedy slash horror film Slither from 2006. <gasps> That's my jam. <laughs> I'm I made you watch recognize that. Them. I don't recognize them. I'm not <laughs> even sure like who you're talking about right now. Um, the guy who played the sheriff that okay. was talking about people's twigs and berries <laughs> okay yeah I don't remember him and then I don't remember who Lance was was that the one that got ripped apart from chain mail or was that 
uh, no, he was the one uh, with the belladonna. Okay. The, so, the yeah. face hole bleeding. <laughs> Everything was bleeding. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, those two. Um, okay. It says, the speech Dean gives before running into battle is the same speech William Wallace, um, who's Mel Gibson, um, gives in the movie Braveheart from 1995 before running into battle against the English. Um, it says, although Lance's autopsy toxicology screen was clean, his body showed signs of belladonna poisoning. Um, belladonna is in the, oh boy, Solanicae, maybe, family, um, yeah. which also includes the deadly plants henbane, jimson weed, and mandrake. Um, as these all contain tropane alkaloids uh their system or their symptoms would be the same um also many of the diagnostic symptoms which is pulse blood pressure uh pupillary response salivary response motor function and behavior are not evident in a corpse hmm okay so there's that (laughs) okay (laughs) so from what i'm hearing if you want to poison somebody use belladonna (laughs) (laughs) because they won't really be able to tell Uh, it says michael tegan um which this is max hilby slash shadow king um acted in two previous episodes um bloody mary from 2005 as teacher (laughs) and um wishful thinking from 2008 as the voice of teddy the suicidal teddy bear (laughs) oh teddy shadow king oh so yeah the guy who's like the lawyer right yeah, that's, I think so. Okay. Um, it says, Charlie asks if there's such a thing as a monster magnet. Um, there is a New Jersey based heavy metal band called monster magnet. Um, it's actually older than that. Um, on Frank Zappa and the mother of inventions, 1966 album or debut album, freak out. Uh, the last song is titled return of the son of monster magnet. That's a long title for a song. It <laughs> <That> is. <laughs> um, it says, after talking with Weeping Lance slash Gray Fox, um, Dean says this could be Fifty Shades of Gray Fox. <laughs> Given that the book Fifty Shades of Gray was soccer mom romance fetish soft porn, um, Dean is suggesting gay chain male sex gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love that interesting fact. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about it too much. <laughs> I don't know, like, chain male sex? That seems uncomfortable. Like... <laughs> I don't know. That just seems like things are getting pinched. <laughs> I don't think it could be okay. It's probably not pinchy. You I don't know, because you gotta like, wear it. The links that when you like move, does it not like pinch your skin? Because don't they normally have like stuff underneath to like protect your skin, right? Yeah, I mean, you're still like if you're gonna be wearing your chainmail, you're, you're still, still gonna, gonna be wear wearing... stuff underneath it, I guess. Yeah. 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 So just gonna remove some strategic bits. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is true. This is fair. <laughs> um, it says the way Charlie destroys the magic book at the end is similar to the way Harry destroys Tom's diary in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets from 2002. Um, That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It says we know from a previous episode that Charlie is a Harry Potter fan. Um, it says Charlie says to the deer skull headed scary thing. <laughs> they decided to write it um i'm just an it girl standing in front of a monster asking it not to kill her 
um, in the movie Notting Hill from 1999, in the climactic desperate rom-com reveal, Anna says, I'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Um, that line has been parodied quite a few times. <laughs> yes, it has. I did not know it was from that, though. I can't remember if I've ever seen that movie. I don't think I have, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, So... For our research, we, of course, had to go back to Ranker because we haven't been there in a while. (laughs) Um, It's been a while. And the article is how to contact fairies according to people who have. Um, (laughs) It says when most people think of fairies, there are a few classic images that come to mind. Tinkerbell from from Peter Pan, um, Puck from Shakespeare's A A Midsummer Night's Dream, and the fairy godmother from Cinderella throw in Cosmo and Wanda from the fairly odd parents and it's clear most of society sees fairies as little creatures that fly around with glitter and magic wands in other words fictional and cartoonish however there's actually a large segment of people who do not only believe they're real but generally want to know how to contact fairies Um, belief in the existence of fairies appears to go back as far as the 13th century um, with the first historical record of fairies from historian Gervais of Tilbury um, while more recent popular culture may, be, may depict fairies one way, um, there are many different kinds of fairies, not all of whom can fly. Uh, the interest in communicating with these fairies has continued to the present day, and though some, pe- or some may find the idea kind of creepy, many others believe these spiritual creatures can actually help make dreams come true. Um, if talking to fairies is on your bucket list, then it's time to scratch it off. Here's a step-by-step guide on how you might be able to contact them. <laughs> Yay. So step number one, um, declare that you're only seeking out friendly fairies. <laughs> I feel like that's a very important step. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. um, it says, while it may seem like all fairies are precious and sweet, that's actually not the case. Uh, just like humans, there are all sorts of fairies with all sorts of personalities. Unless you're looking to talk to the dark, scary, difficult fairies, <laughs> you're wanting to make sure they're only, you're only seeking out friendly ones. Um, a really simple way to call on the friendly fairies, uh, say those with bad intent are not welcome here. Um, making loud and clear that you only want friendly fairies um, will help you make sure you're only summoning the ones that are good to, or that are going to bring you good things. Um, you need to travel to their home environment. Uh, just like other creatures, fairies apparently thrive in very specific environments. While summoning a fairy into your home is certainly possible, there's a higher chance you'll see and hear fairies when you're outdoors. Um, Those who have contacted fairies before say they live in nature, and whether you're out in the middle of the forest or simply out in your backyard garden, surrounding yourself with trees, plants, and flowers will help you better access these spiritual creatures. Um, If this is your first time trying to connect with fairies and you're starting your experience in nature, um, then you may want to begin by going for a walk or a hike in a natural setting that's not been manicured by human hands. Um, While you're outside, find a nice tree to sit underneath, and as you sit with your eyes closed, you might try bringing out a flute and playing it for about a minute. (laughs) Because everybody just knows how to play the flute, you know? (laughs) 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 There's got to be another way. (laughs) Wow. You know, right? Um, I guess only flute players. The combination combination (laughs) of nature and music you play uh, may just help you contact those fairies. Um, it says, don't wear any clothing inside out. <laughs> what? I know, right? Um, one important thing you absolutely should not do while trying to communicate with fairies is wear any of your clothing, including outerwear, inside out. 
Um, in Janet Board's uh, 1997 book on communicating with fairies, she stresses that turning your clothing inside out may actually drive away any fairies you might encounter, saying it could be seen as confusing to fairies, making them think this was a different person. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> in Britain and Ireland, apparently people used to break the spell by turning their clothing inside out or even stripping down completely. <laughs> oh. Um, it says, make sure to double check your pants, your coat, your gloves, and anything you have on um, your person before you start. As long as you're wearing clothing and wearing it the right way, you shouldn't have had, or you shouldn't have many roadblocks on the way. Um, <laughs> it says, dance, sing, and rid your house of negativity. In addition to setting up a welcoming fairy altar, it's important that fairies enter into a posit positive environment. I feel like we're kind of talking about puppies. <laughs> 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 uh, one way to make that environment positive is to sing songs. There are quite a few chants and lyrics you can sing to the fairies. Um, one good example is fairies, the child in me, let's happiness be, push away dark clouds, let joy flow free. Um, increase the positive energy by dancing and experiencing joy. Uh, those who have contacted fairies consistently note that having any sort of negative energy is a turnoff for fairies. Um, that includes loud noises, raised voices, and even cigarette smoke. <laughs> 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 um, it says to leave them food offerings. It says fairies, like all living creatures, are apparently really food motivated. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving out some of their favorite foods as offerings appears to go a long way in the attempt to speak to these creatures. Um, those who claim have to have contacted these fairies say raw chocolates, candies, cakes, ginger, and barley are really attractive to fairies. Um, others say that simply putting some honey in an accessible place is enough to make fairies willing to make contact. Um, one person who claims to contact fairies says, I know from experience that the fairy kingdom have celebrations in particular on the night of the full moon and a little piece of cake and honey on a saucer is always gone the next morning. Um, Oh, and even better than food, fairies apparently like booze, too. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. Here and there. A good shot of something strong. You know? <laughs> um, it says, put up a fairy flag in your home to prove you believe. Um, evidence of fairy flags and their magical powers go back to the Middle Ages, most notably surrounding Scotland's chiefs of MacLeod. Um, uh, it says a fairy flag is currently on display at Dunvegan Castle, um, or Dunvegan, I don't know, Dunvegan, we'll go with it, um, off the west coast of the, or of the country, and while the story surrounding its origins is debated, the MacLeods still consider the fairy flag to be the most valued possession of their clan, and believe it to have been a gift from fairies themselves. Uh, the universal belief among the McLeod clan is that the flag was gifted by the fairies with specific instruction that it only be waved three times when they are in danger and need the protection of the fairy clan. Uh, so far, the McLeods have allegedly only waved it twice, so there's still one wave left. <laughs> oh my, that's a lot um, of pressure. It, like, is this, is this wave worthy? You I know, know, like, are we going to use our last wave? <laughs> yeah. Huh. <laughs> Um, it says, while you can't go and buy yourself a fairy flag at a store near you, you can buy one um, and put it in your home to show fairies you believe in them. Um, this simple act might make the fairies feel more, cur more curious, comfortable, and open to communicating with you. Uh, <laughs> it says, clean your home so it's free of clutter and dirt. Um, it may come as no surprise to hear that fairies allegedly prefer clean, organized spaces. It's important when you're trying to contact fairies that you make sure your home and environment are free of clutter and dirt. It's not simply, or it's not enough to simply tidy up. 
Fairies are apparently attracted to clean spaces, so you may have to go so far as to scrub the dirt off the floors and really make sure everything is sparkling. Um, it says, well, I guess uh, I'm not in danger of fairies appearing in my home. Yeah, neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> it says the Fae can't stand clutter, dust, or mess. A 2017 Pathios article on contacting fairies notes. They feel it energetically and it weighs them down. Um, creating a clean, clutter-free environment will no doubt help ensure you're starting off right on your quest to contact fairies. Um, it says, create a space within your home for the fairies to stay. Uh, just as humans expect a welcoming environment when traveling, fairies have the same expectations. One vital thing you need to do while trying to contact fairies is create an area for them to stay. Some would call this an altar. <laughs> um, if you're trying to contact a fairy inside of your home, your altar should be placed in a powerful place that attracts positive energy. An antique dresser, for example, would be an ideal place. You should also make sure your altar isn't in a room that smells like cigarette smoke, has a television, or is close to loud noises. <laughs> um, any kind of negative energy will apparently make fairies less attracted and ultimately wary about entering your space and making contact. Um, it says light some incense or break out some essential oils. Um, in addition to sweet food, fairies apparently also like good scents. Um, those who have contacted fairies say that creating a good smelling environment and engaging with their senses of smell will make fairies more willing to communicate. Um, a couple of suggestions to make your environment smell better, including or include burning incense and sprinkling some drops of essential oil in a dish or around the altar. Um, fairies need to feel comfortable with the environment if you're going to make contact. So making sure these things smell good is another way of pre preparing um, for their arrival. And it says, remove any iron objects from your designated fairy area. Um, if you're a fan of folklore, you might already know that iron, specifically cold iron, repels fairies. Um, in most stories involving fairies, anytime a cold iron skillet or some cold iron object is brought out, it's to get rid of fairies and fairy energy. Um, so all the cast iron also in my home, probably not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It says that while the origins of this theory appear to be unknown, it's important to know that while you're trying to talk to fairies, you want to make sure there's nothing iron near your fairy altar. Um, this could prevent fairies from coming to you. And if they do come, it might actually harm them. So, yeah. I want that. Um, <laughs> it says, um, it says, demonstrate that you respect the planet. Um, one of the keys to attracting fairies, aside from making known that you believe in them, um, is demonstrating you care about our planet. Um, those who claim to have made contact with fairies say they have repeatedly told us that they seek out the company of humans that share their concern and respect for the earth. If you don't show them that you are of like mind, they won't be interested in having a relationship with you at all. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, taking care of the plants and animals around you, recycling and reusing and supporting those actively working to protect the environment are a few simple yet powerful actions you can take to make sure um, or to make you more attractive to fairies from the offset. Um, this will apparently benefit you greatly in your effort to communicate with these um, uh, spiritual creatures. Um, it says, sit among flowers and plants. Um, while it's a good idea to travel to fairies' natural outdoor environment, that doesn't mean you can't communicate with fairies from your home. A simple way to create an environment that makes fairies feel welcome and at home is surrounding yourself with plants and flowers. Uh, nature is attractive to fairies, so if you're setting up your altar indoors, put flowers and plants around you while you sit and try and make contact. Um, it's important to note that fairies apparently don't like chemicals or pesticides, so if you're sitting among plants um, in or from your garden, make sure they're free of these harmful substances, or making sure they're free of these harmful substances goes a very long way. 
Um, it says carry a rose crystal or something shiny to attract them. I got sneeze. Oh boy. <laughs> Bless you. Oh man. And just talking about flowers gets me sneezy. Plants. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it says fairies are attracted to shiny sparkly things Uh, most fictional depictions involve some form of glitter or fairy dust that sparkles Um, when trying to contact fairies in real life those who have done it uh, suggest using crystals a rose crystal for example can be effective in attracting fairies that are more gentle due to the crystal's apparent promotion of universal love Um, other suggestions include a simple clear quartz a prism quartz that can reflect rainbows aqua aqua marine um, for its water-like color and aura, and of course, the aptly named fairy wand quartz. <laughs> um, it says carrying some of these crystals around and or placing them around the fairy altar can really help welcome these creatures into your world. Wow, they sound really complicated. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say really picky. I know, right? <laughs> God, like way too much going on there. For you gotta me. do like, a lot. I know. To, like, get in like contact. I- I feel like it's going to be way more simple to summon a demon. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Like, (laughs) welcome to my dirty house. Yeah. Also not welcome. Don't ever come here. You know? (laughs) Right, right, right. right. (laughs) Oh, okay. So what was your idiot or aspect moment from this week? Okay. So, uh, Eric and I went to, uh, go pick up Killian. It was a Wednesday. And, um, on Wednesdays is like in the school district is a short day. We pick him up like two hours early. So, um, we go and we pick him up. Well, we try to pick him up. We park outside the school. <laughs> we, <try. laughs> we park outside the school and we walk to like the entrance of the gate. Cause we're like at the back of the school mm-hmm. and like every single child at that school is outside at recess. And we're like, what's happening? I mean, yeah, we're 10 minutes early, but like, this is never happened before. You know, like, usually they do like, you know, first and second grade and then third and fourth grade or something or, you know. Yeah. And it might've been that, but it just looked like the whole school. I mean, it looked like that many kids, you know, and we were just like, I don't get it. We're like, okay, well, we'll go back to the car (laughs) and we'll sit in it for 10 minutes and then Maybe they'll all be magically gone (laughs) (laughs) by the time we come back out. So we go and, um, we pass, there's one other car, um, parked there. And normally there's a lot, but there's only one. And it's, um, one of my friends that I used to work with her Mm -hmm. kids go to the same school. And so we were like waving at her and whatever. And, you know, we get in our car and we're like, this is weird. Like everything feels weird. Like, Like this isn't right. I don't know what's going on. And then the friend that was parked behind us, like drives by us, like leaves the premises. And we were like, what's happening? Like, why isn't anybody picking up their kids? (laughs) Yeah. Like what's going on? And then we're like, okay, you know, so we wait 10 minutes and like the kids are still outside. And we were like, it is time to go. Like what is, what is happening? I don't get it. Yeah. (laughs) So we look at the clock and it is um 12 10 and, and we're like 12 and it's 12 10 and we're like wait a minute school gets out at 1 10 on Wednesdays and ah. so we were an hour early and the reason that that happened is because the week before I mean the week before not like the couple days before the couple days before we did just fine I don't know why all of a sudden <laughs> 
on Wednesday, we were just like lost our damn minds, but um, <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> yeah, but the week before was conference week and they were getting out at like 12, 10 the whole week. Yeah. So I don't know, like, I think maybe I set an alarm for it and like that alarm went off. I like hadn't turned that one off and I don't know. I don't know. Everything was crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, so we left and then we came back an hour later and everything was just as it should be. So <laughs> we huh. felt really stupid. <laughs> and the girl who was parked behind us texted me um, like an hour later. And she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I came that early. Like, this has never happened to me before. I feel oh. totally crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm glad we weren't alone. <laughs> like, okay, at least it wasn't just me because now I feel a little bit better, you know? <laughs> yeah, we just felt so stupid, but we like told our whole like parenting squad about it and they all laughed at us. And it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, I and mean, then I regretted <laughs> telling happened? anybody anything. Yeah, anybody saw, you <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> I wonder what those kids thought, like watching us just like staring at them, you know, through the fence. They're like, what are you doing? Uh, My guess is that nobody even noticed because people go like drop off stuff for their kids or, you know, whatever all the time. So I'm sure that somebody, they just thought that somebody was leaving early or got something dropped off or whatever, you know? Yeah, you're right. So I remember as a kid, like not paying any attention to the adults you know yeah nope hanging you're, out. you're busy at recess you got stuff to do you know yeah so anyway that was my moment what was your generosity <laughs> moment <laughs> so mine <laughs> I feel kind of bad laughing but it was hilarious so <laughs> I went out to feed the horses the other day and Soka is still trying to figure out the hot wire business <laughs> oh no <laughs> and so I go and like, you know, cause usually what I do is I'll go and like grab a, like one horse's worth of hay out of my wheelbarrow and I'll like put it in the stall for Toby because Toby has to eat first or else he just pushes Ahsoka out of the way anyway. So I just okay. feed him first to get him out of the way. And then I'll go back, grab my other handful or armful or whatever and go and feed Ahsoka. Well, Ahsoka apparently was feeling like she wanted to say hi, you know, which is fine. She comes over and she like, as I'm on the other side of the fence, she goes to like reach her nose out to like, hey, hits the hot wire. <laughs> oh. and she wasn't paying any attention to where it was at and goes, Oof. <laughs> Oh, no. takes off running in the other direction oh. and I felt so bad because she was just trying to say hi and got electrocuted for it yeah poor <laughs> but thing. it's like dude you know that the hot wire is there like what are you doing like I don't you know yeah. I, I felt really bad because she was like heavy breathing about it and like took off running and just was like oh and I'm like come back and she's like I can't <laughs> <laughs> and eventually she you know I mean because food is you know the all-powerful cure for everything so Mm -hmm. she did she got over it pretty quick and came over and got her food but she didn't really want me to touch her after that because she thought that because I think she thought that because she was trying to say hi to me and she was trying to get in my business and I was holding her food because she's gotten in trouble for trying to like take the food away from me as I'm trying to feed it to her Mm -hmm. um I think she thought that she got in trouble for trying to say hi when I was dealing with the food. And then she's like, I can't go anywhere near you. I'm going to get in trouble again. And that one hurt, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor thing. 
I know I feel bad but it was also like really funny so yeah (laughs) and it's not like it like hurt her you know yeah it was it was an inconvenience for her sure but it didn't like yeah so yeah but yeah that was uh That she was a big old idiot and forgot <laughs> that the hot wire was there and that it worked. So mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at idgets and aspects podcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgets and Aspects, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your idget and aspect moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.